0: Our sermon passage today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Our Father, our God, we, O Lord, long to hear your word proclaimed. We long to hear you guiding us forward, and you guiding us homeward. We long to hear you correcting and challenging teaching, and stretching, and shaping us. So Father in heaven, we're pleading with you. We're pleading with you to work. We're pleading with you to pour out your grace. We're pleading with you to teach us. We're pleading with you to help us. I am pleading with you to guide me as I speak to your people. I'm pleading with you that we, this morning, would experience the power of the word of God that changes everything. This is our prayer, O God. We know that you are able to do this, and so we're, we're pleading. Would you work, Father? Would you work, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. If you haven't already, please take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew in chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Um, if you're our guest today, this sermon is, is a little bit different from what uh, we normally do, but I feel like it's a, a timely and needed and appropriate message us. So we've been going through a series of sermons entitled The Foundation. And and what we have been seeking to wrestle with is, is what does it look like for a person or a church to be built upon the foundation that is Christ, His gospel, and His word. And implicit in that question is that it is possible for a life to not be built upon that foundation. It's possible for a church, even, in spite of all of our best intentions, to fail to be built upon this foundation, which is Christ, His gospel, and His word. And so, what I want to do this morning is actually look at one verse from Matthew chapter 7 uh, that Julie just read for us. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 Everyone then who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus speaking, and does them will be like a man who's built his house on the rock. And so really this morning, what I want us to do is is wrestle with one question. How can we build our lives upon Christ? And let's ask that in the individual, how can you and I as people build our life upon Christ? And then let's ask that in the corporate, how can we as the church of Jesus build our lives upon Christ? So in many ways, if you were here last week, this is the application to last week's sermon. Um, Those of you who know me well are probably swallowing words like, thank you, finally, something practical. So, here we go today. Um, but what I want to do is look at this verse for a moment, and then I want to give us five ways that we can build our lives upon the rock, which is Christ. So, let's look at the passage. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Again, this is Jesus speaking. Everyone who hears these words of mine. So Jesus is saying that, let me keep going. I'm sorry, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So what Jesus is saying is that the way for a life To be built upon the rock, which is Christ, is to hear and to receive the words of Jesus. And so in this context, the words of Jesus would mean the words that he was speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, which is where this event happens. Jesus was speaking um, a long message of what it looks like to be his follower. But I think in context of the entire scripture, we would say that to hear the words of Jesus would also be to receive the message of salvation by faith in Christ, and would also be to receive all of the word of God, which is recorded for us in the scripture. So to hear these words of mine would be first the words of Christ, but, but secondarily, the words of the gospel message of salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. And then in total, the words of God as recorded in the scripture. So what Jesus is saying is, apart from what has been revealed about him, there is no foundation. What Jesus is really saying is, without me, there's no salvation. Without me, there's no deliverance. Without me, there's no hope for this life. Without me, there's no eternal hope. Without me, there is no hope. I am the rock, and and a life built upon the rock will hear and receive these words of mine, this message about me and what I have done. And as that is the message of all of God's word, the word of God, the message of salvation in Christ are our hope, and we have no rock apart from them. So really, what we believe deeply from this passage is that Jesus Christ is our hope. There is no forgiveness. There is no acceptance. There is no new life. There is no everlasting life, except by faith in Jesus. Without faith in Christ, our life is built upon sand, and it will crumble. For many of us, it probably already is crumbling. Jesus goes on, though, he, he says, everyone who hears these words and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the sand. So, I, I, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands this morning, but I'm just wondering, have any of you ever crammed for a test or a quiz in school? You know what I mean by crammed? Like, you didn't really learn the material, you just tried to absorb it for long enough to get a good grade? Like, like we all know that intimately, Right? And so if a mere 45 minutes later you were asked to tell me anything about the test upon which you just made 100, you couldn't because you just absorbed the material long enough to get a good grade, right? You know that feeling? I don't think that that is anywhere near the ballpark of what Jesus is talking about when he says to hear these words of mine. Because he goes on to say hear them and does them. And so what he's saying is the wise person is the one who hears these words of mine receives them, understands them, believes them, and is transformed by them. So to hear the word of God is to be changed by the word of God. To hear the word of Christ is to be changed by the word of Christ. To hear the calling of Jesus is to have our desires and our hearts reshaped By the calling of Jesus. And so Jesus says the the wise person is the one who hears and receives and believes and applies and lives my life, my word, my gospel, my calling. To be transformed by Jesus is the calling. And those who are transformed by the word of Christ are the one who are building upon the rock. So two things that we believe very deeply here at Redeemer. Number one. There is no way that any human could earn the saving power of God, period, period. No amount of word or works could cause any of us to earn God's grace, God's mercy, or salvation. Christ purchased our salvation with His life, His death, and His resurrection. But those who hear this message of salvation and receive it and believe it are also those who are changed by it. And so that's the second thing we believe very deeply here at Redeemer Church, that the God who saves us is also the God who transforms us by His Word. So wherever you were when you met Christ, God did not leave you there, but he will transform you from there into a life that glorifies him. Wherever you are today, whatever struggle you brought into this room, whatever sin pattern is defining you, whatever doubt, whatever fear, whatever anxiety, whatever relational brokenness that flows out of sin, it would be the will of God that through the word of Jesus you would be transformed by it. That's what happens when we build our life upon the rock that is Jesus. So, if you don't really like sermons and you have no interest in listening to me talk for about another 30 minutes, this is the truth from Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. A life built upon Christ will be rooted and depend wholly upon Jesus, the saving power of Jesus, and the Word of God that transforms that, that's the calling. So if you're here today and maybe you are just visiting, someone drug you in here, you have no idea why crazy people get up on Sunday morning and go listen to people talk. Like if, if that's you today, let me just say, first of all, I'm so glad that you're here. And what we would plead with you to leave here considering today is am I willing To hear the word of Jesus the Christ and his call to come and follow him and have everything transformed for my good and for his glory. What I mean is to come to Christ will change everything, but change is not always a bad thing. It's a freeing, good, life-giving thing. Okay? So if that's you today, we are so glad that you're here. And we want you to consider the call of Jesus To build your life upon the foundation that is He, Him and His gospel and His word. Now, if you're here today as a a Christian, then what I want to do is I want to give you five ways that you can practically build your life upon the rock that is Jesus. If you're here today and you're a, a part of Redeemer Church, I want to give you five ways that you likewise can build your life upon the rock that is Jesus. But I want to give you five ways that you can faithfully participate in the life of our church. They're the same five. And I think at times, Christians in general, this particular pastor, are prone to make things more difficult than they have to be. And so today, I want to make it as simple as I can. What does it look like, biblically and practically, to build your life upon the rock that is Jesus. And what does it look like biblically and practically for the people of Redeemer Church to build our corporate witness upon the rock that is Christ. Everybody with me? Alright, so practical step number one to build our life upon the rock. And I believe these will be on the screen for you. Commit your life to personal Discipleship. Commit your life to personal discipleship. Now, that's a a churchy phrase, so let me see if I can define what that means. The word disciple simply means one who follows the life and example of a teacher. So, the word disciple simply means one who follows the life and example of a teacher. And so, to be a disciple of Jesus is to say, Jesus is. The one true teacher and the one true savior whom I will follow and I will build my life off of his teaching and his example. And so as we dig through the scriptures, I cannot make sense of the Bible without seeing a call to a personal life of following after Jesus. There's an element of our faith and an element of our discipleship which someone else cannot do for us, right? Parents, we can't wish our kids into the kingdom of God. We can't help our spouse believe in Jesus. We can't force our parents to follow after Jesus. There's an element in which we all must take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus, And so a life built upon the foundation of Christ will be a life that's committed to personal discipleship. And so what we mean by personal discipleship is that there is a habit. And the word here is habit. There's a habit of Bible reading, prayer, repentance, obedience, and service. If you want to build your life upon the rock that is Christ, there will be a habit of taking up the Scripture where God speaks and reading it and allowing it to transform us. There will be a habit of prayer, that is communicating with God. There will be a habit of repentance, that's turning away from our sin and turning toward the saving power of Jesus to change us. There will be a habit of obedience, that is saying what God desires I will pursue. And there will be a habit service. So if we are in Christ, if we want to build our lives upon the rock that is Christ, there will be a commitment to personal discipleship. Now, lest you think I'm reading too much into this one verse or being less than biblical, I want to present to you 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 7 through 9. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verses 7 through 9. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy who, in many ways, Paul was a discipler of Timothy to help Timothy follow Jesus. And Paul said, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Do you hear what Paul is saying? He's saying, set your life to be disciplined, to follow Jesus. Train yourself. Build the habit within yourself to attune your mind and your heart and your will to follow after Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Do you hear what Paul's saying? Those who know Christ, who've been transformed by Christ, will pursue a life with Christ. So, it, a few takeaways from this. If you're here today and, and, you, and maybe you're, you're, you don't know who Christ is, or you're not sure if you're a, a follower of Christ, you're not even sure what that means, let, let me give you a way that even you can try to build the habit of, of knowing who Christ is. You can take a Bible, if you don't own one, literally, reach underneath the seat in front of you and get one of those black books. That's a Bible. And there's a table of contents in the front. And turn to the Gospel of Mark, M-A-R-K, and start reading. And just pray this prayer. God, would you help me see who Jesus is and that I need Jesus? And just start reading. That would be one way that you, as someone kind of seeking after truth, could take up a Bible and, and, and even begin to form, like what does it mean to read the Scripture and know Christ? Second, if you're here and you're like, man, I know like Christians, we talk about the Bible all the time. Like I know the answer in Sunday school, is always Jesus, Bible, or sin. Like one of those three, you got a a 33% chance to get it right. Like, like I know all that, but if, if I'm honest, like I open the Bible and it's just unclear and I can't understand it and it's hard for me and I I, this prayer thing, like I know that, like, supposedly God is there and He listens and I can, I can speak to Him, but it just feels like my words are kind of hitting the roof and, and bouncing back down. If that's where you are today, let me just say this. Will you, over the coming weeks, commit to start building a habit of hearing from God in His Word and communicating with God through prayer? And we have written, that doesn't matter, we've written this page right here. There's a big stack of them right back by the bulletins. And this is the simplest, clearest, 10-minute-a-day path to prayer, Bible reading, and walking with Christ that we can come up with. You can take one of these. It's not trademarked. Maybe we should trademark it. I don't know. But you can make as many copies as you want. You can do whatever you want to with them. And it works for any, any page in your Bible. Just take it up, and this is a guide to learn from the Scripture and to pray. Okay, So here's the starting point for anyone who says, I'm not sure what it looks like to start in personal discipleship. Third, if you need help, just ask. I'll help you. Someone who brought you here today will help you. My email is jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at RedeemerTN.org. You can get your phone out right now, and you can email I need help in personal discipleship, and we'll respond to that accordingly. And if you're here and you're just in that place of apathy, apathy, like, man, yeah, I know Jesus saved me, he wants me to know him, and he loves me, but I'm just cold, I'm just blah. Will you take up the word? We take up the word and start reading? Will you pray, God, help me to meet with you? God, I, I think he's eager to answer such prayers. Also next week, we're going to start a new sermon series in the book of 2 Timothy. Start reading there. I think it's like three or four chapters. You could read that at least twice between now and next week. And I promise God will meet with you there. So will you commit to personal discipleship as a way to build your life upon the rock? Second commitment. Commit to mutual discipleship. So the only shift there is from personal to mutual. And here's what we believe. We believe that God didn't save us to become islands in the wilderness for me and Jesus to have our time together. But rather, God saved us into a people who together know Him, love Him, serve Him, and glorify Him. And so whatever Christ is doing in your life, He's doing it for you, for His glory, and for you to help others in a similar way. The The church is a place where the needy are helped by the strong to meet Christ. The church is a place where sometimes the needy help the needy to meet Christ. The church is the place where the broken help the broken to find joy in Jesus. And so a commitment to building on the foundation is also a commitment to take our discipleship and use it for the discipleship of others. I'll give you one passage here to consider, Acts chapter two, verse forty-two. This is the day of Pentecost where um, Peter spoke. Three thousand people responded to the gospel; they believed, they were baptized, they were added to the church, and then we're told in Acts two forty-two, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. You see what's going on? They together continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. What, what we are being called to is a life in Christ shared amongst the people of Christ. We're called to a life in Christ shared amongst the church of Jesus. And so the challenge for us is not just to go off on an island with me and Jesus or my family and Jesus, but the challenge is to lean in and serve others, lean in and let others serve us and to pursue Christ together. Because the church is the strongest, the kingdom is expanding and God is glorified most when we together are helping one another be more like Christ. So this means a couple things for us. Christian, this means that we must be willing to use our time to serve others. Just because my faith is robust And my life feels the blessing of God, and my family is okay, and I'm doing okay, and everything's strong, doesn't mean that I just sit back and say, hey, I'm cool. That means that God is pouring His blessing out on me so that others could be blessed through me. And so we must invest in others for the good of their discipleship. Here's the second thing this means. This calling means that we must put down the facade of perfection and the facade of having it all together so that others can see it's okay to need grace and need mercy and need help and be broken. So here's what we don't realize here in the South. Like those of us who get up early on Sunday morning get our Sunday best on, you know, everybody's got their shirts tucked in and got their nicest outfit of the week on and we all get here on time and, and we're sitting down attentively waiting for the service to begin. There's like none of us here, but anyway, let's keep going, okay? Like, like what we're exuding is that we have it all together. And I think what the people in this room who don't have it all together need to see is that we don't have it all together. What they need to see is that it's okay to doubt. It's okay to be weary. It's okay to be hurting. It's okay to need someone to speak truth into our lives. It's okay, as long as we're struggling in faith and repentance, to struggle with sin. It's okay to have to battle against apathy. It's okay. That's why we get to serve one another. So we build our house upon the rock as we pursue mutual discipleship amongst the people of God. So if you're here and you're like a small group leader on any stripe at Redeemer, go into your group this week and push the agenda toward us mutually discipling one another. And if you're in a group and your leader fails to do that, be kind, be loving, be respectful, but hostile Take over your group and push it toward the mutual discipleship of one another. Did I say kind and hostile? I did. I'm sorry. You can figure that out, okay? But this is where the church will flourish. So here at Redeemer, we believe in this concept of the church gathered and the church scattered. And what we mean by that is when we're together, we worship God, we hear His Word, we pray, we sing, we pour out our lives so that when we leave, our lives scattered are fueled. And then our lives scattered... When we walk with Jesus in personal discipleship and we walk with Jesus in mutual discipleship, they fuel back our gathering. And there's this beautiful circle of us scattered fueling us gathered and us gathered fueling us scattered. And in all of that is the purpose of personal discipleship and mutual discipleship. So we will build upon the rock as we commit our ways to personal discipleship, mutual discipleship. Third, we build upon the rock as we commit ourselves to service and ministry within the church family. We build our life upon the rock and we commit ourselves to service and ministry within the church family. Here's something very simple. Every member of the church has time and energy that can be invested in something. Every single one of us have time and energy That can be invested in something. To build our life upon the rock. Is to say we will invest our time and our energy. In serving the people of God. In building the church of Jesus. In building the kingdom of Jesus. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 10 through 11. As each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do you hear what Peter's saying? If you have a gift, use it to serve and for the good of the kingdom. So speak to the glory of God. Serve to the glory of God. Glorify Christ by building His church and serving others. Here's what Peter's saying. If you have time and you have ability and you have skill and you invested in others and you invested in building the kingdom, that glorifies God. So, a huge barrier for us on this point is to believe that you have something to offer the people of God. Every single one of us has something to offer the people of God. And second, the challenge is to believe that taking out the trash as ministry to Jesus to build His church is just as important as preaching. And changing a diaper in the nursery is just as important as leading worship. And greeting people and shaking hands out there is just as important as reading Scripture in here. The reality is God has gifted all of us for the purpose of building up His kingdom. And as we all use our gifts for His glory, the church will flourish and we will be built upon this foundation of God has served us so we are able To serve others. So I would just simply call to you, in what ways will you commit to use your time and your energy to build up the people of God? Now, I'm not really interested in value-added benefit when it comes to God's Word, but here's the other thing that happens. When we serve the church, often that fuels our personal discipleship. Because as we serve others and we have to depend upon the Lord, that causes us to go, oh yeah, I have to depend upon the Lord. And that fuels our personal discipleship. And when we serve the church and we serve others together, that starts to, to build bonds where all of a sudden I'm now willing to lean into someone and trust them and let them trust me. And so often our serving together builds mutual discipleship. One of the reasons that I love when we have men's work days around here is because I get a lot of stuff off my to-do list. But the real reason that I love when we have men's work days around here is because inevitably I'll look up and there'll be two people that didn't even know each other's name an hour ago in a hole digging together and all of a sudden they got this bond and they got this story to share. And that story of service becomes a way that the next time they see one another, they relate to one another differently. And before you know it, they're discipling one another and they're encouraging one another and they're praying for one another. And so this idea of serving others is really for others and it really is for the glory of God, but it really shapes us in personal and mutual discipleship. So if we want to be a church built upon the rock that is Christ, we'll commit to a life of service and ministry because we believe Jesus created us for service and ministry. Fourth, we want to build upon this rock, which is Christ, we'll commit to a missional lifestyle. We'll commit to a missional lifestyle. Here's what I mean by a missional lifestyle. We will commit to live our lives in such a way that we go out from the body into the world and we will take the gospel with us and befriend others so that they can come to Christ. The reality is in the changing landscape of our world, More and more, the gospel will go forward from this church as we take the gospel with us and befriend others who are far from Christ. Jesus said it this way, Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, the assumptions that we're going to go all of us, and you don't have to go to Africa to go, and you don't have to go to Appalachia to go. We're going to go and make disciples of all nations. That's all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What Jesus is saying is disciples go with the intent of other people becoming disciples. Cool buzzword for that's missional. So we are saying we will commit our way to a great commission Lifestyle, a lifestyle of taking the gospel outward with the hope of others coming to know Christ through us. So this leads to a couple questions. Number one, am I willing to believe that God desires me to be a missionary force in this community? Am I willing to believe that God desires me and all my busyness and brokenness and anxieties and fears and Messed up stuff that God desires me to be a missionary for his cause in this community. By the way, the answer is yes. Let me me give you the cliff notes. The answer is yes, but will you believe it? And then second, as you go, will you go out of your way to befriend people who are far from God so that you can be used of God to share the grace of God with them? So the question for us is, how many people do you know who are far from God who would call you their friend? That's that's a carefully worded sentence. How many people do you know who are far from God who would call you their friend? Not you would call them your friend, but you have built a relationship and served and loved them in such a way that they would say, yes, Jamie is my friend. And then how will we, not leverage, how will we live out our friendship in such a way that we would be used to see people come to Christ? So to build off this foundation, We will commit to personal discipleship, to mutual discipleship, to service and ministry, to missional lifestyle. And there's a fifth commitment that I admit that I'm nervous to talk about, but it's it's in the Scripture, and we're going to talk about it. If we want to build our life on this rock that is the Word of Christ, we will commit to use our finances for the kingdom of God. commit to use our finances for the kingdom of God. Now, I want to be really clear. Like, if you've never been to Redeemer before, I think in eight years this is the first time I'm preaching about money. And I'm, like, shaking. Like, the first service, I kind of just quivered and looked at my notes the whole time, okay? Like, we just don't do this. We don't run thermometers up. We don't have end-of-the-year, like, balance-the-budget campaigns because, by God's grace, we just haven't needed that. But I would be doing you a disservice if I allowed you to separate your money and your possessions from your discipleship. Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if there is something in our lives that we separate from Christ, and we separate from discipleship, then it is competing with our commitment to Jesus. And so, very simply, we're told throughout the Scripture that the one who benefits from the ministry of a church or the ministry of the kingdom will contribute to furthering that ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Paul said, each one must give as, give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So hear that, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, God loves a cheerful giver. And so what I would say to you is, I'm not trying to compel you to anything. I'm not trying to manipulate you to anything. But in the scripture... Those who love Christ so much that we're willing to invest our, our financial and our possessions into the kingdom are those who have met the powerful saving grace of Jesus. And so I am praying that you would meditate on 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. You would ask God to make you into a cheerful giver or if you are a giver, to make you into a cheerful giver or if you're already a cheerful giver, to be cheerful about the giving because Christ has led you to commit and to invest in the building of his kingdom. And so I think a life that's built upon the rock of Christ will not segment things like possessions and money off to the side and say, no, no, that's not part of my faith, that's just material. But rather will say, all of who I am and everything I have belongs to the Lord and I'll use it to invest in his kingdom, to build his church, and to serve others. Now, some of you are here, not in abundance, but in absolutely wondering how the ends are all going to come together this week. Okay, And remember that Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, that God does not love the dollar signs, but He loves the heart of a cheerful giver. Jesus said it this way in Luke 21. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and He saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her property put in all that she had to live on. So what Jesus is saying is, I'm not judging by how much, but I'm judging by the heart of the cheerful giver. And so my prayer would be that we would be a church filled with cheerful givers so that we could see the kingdom of God going forward out of us. So this is how we want to conclude this today. Everyone who hears these words of mine, that's the words of Jesus, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Our desire is that you and I and we together be a people who build our lives upon the rock that is the word of Christ, the gospel of Christ, and the commands of Christ. That we will build our life upon that. These five commitments, a commitment to personal discipleship, a commitment to mutual discipleship, a commitment to service and ministry, a commitment to a missional lifestyle, and a commitment to financial contribution are five practical steps that we and biblical steps that we take to build our life upon the rock that is Christ. As a church, the more we are living out these commitments, gathered and scattered, the more we'll see ourselves built upon the rock that is Christ. And so my prayer, my heart's desire for you is that you would know the joy of a life committed to Jesus and built upon the rock where his spirit is with you and helping you and forever changing you. So Father, we pray. We pray that you would teach us. We pray that as much as what was said today was truthful or good or right, that you would um, cause us to hear it and believe it and build our lives upon it. Whatever changes need to be made in our lives today, Lord, we pray that you would lead us to make them. Pray that you would help us to make them. Pray that you would speak to us in power. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.